This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast, in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. This is episode 43 and we have yet another guest on the podcast today. My name is Mark Carey and joining me as ever is my good friend Ryan Bailey. Ryan, how are you doing? Mark, I'm good. We have... For the first time on the Football Fanalytics podcast, two guests in a row. This is another guest episode off the back of a guest episode, which uh, which is very exciting. They're coming thick and fast. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like people probably are sick of hearing just our voices anyway, so it's probably a good thing that we're getting exactly. more and more people involved in the podcast. Um, but we are delighted to be joined by uh, Maram Albalhana, and I really do hope that I've said her name as best as I possibly can. Um, but it was a real delight to, to chat to her. We actually um, recorded this um, not so long ago, so uh, we've already spoken to her, which is great. And I think it's it's fair to say, Ryan, um, we got through a lot of conversation here. It was great. Absolutely. I mean, we became aware of Madame um, through the medium of Twitter, which obviously listeners will know, even if they don't follow us, that we're very active on. And, and also to, to note as well that she's sort of got her own brand, I guess, through Twitter, as you say, that she's Maram per 90, so yes. per 90 minutes. Um, she's got a fantastic brand, which we, we cover in a lot of depth, don't we, in terms of how she established that brand and how you can see with her visualizations through um, the data that she uses, how you can see what is her work a mile off 100%. compared to other people's, right? 100%. She, she does absolutely unbelievable work and also i think that you know without any no spoilers but i think one mm-hmm. of the most important things that i've found just from chatting to her she's an absolutely fascinating individual i think this is a, an interview to be honest that's very different from anything we've done before uh, on the podcast and i think we had a really sort of honest open funny and sort of entertaining chat with her about 
her work and how she came to establish herself in the, in the world of football analytics. And uh, yeah, we covered some serious ground in this episode. So it's one of those where I think we almost don't want to over talk ourselves, do we? we want to get into the actual chat. And I think this is one that uh, listeners are hopefully going to find a sort of satisfying as enjoyable as we did, you know? No, I completely agree. I think that everyone can take something from this chat. I absolutely do. Um, for all the reasons that you said, we do cover so much ground. So, so without further ado, let's let's share our chat with Maram, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, so we are delighted to be joined by Maram. Um, under the, the name of Maram Per90, uh, people may be familiar with uh, on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us on the Football Fanatics podcast. It's great to finally have you on. been uh, trying to organise this for, for quite some time. Um, how are you doing, first of all? I'm good. How are you doing? Very well. Yes, it's 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 really good to have uh, multiple guests on uh, on the podcast. We've got you're our second in a row. So uh, we always enjoy just speaking to to people within this football analytics world and football world in general. So it's great to to have you on and to to chat. Um, I guess first of all, for for some of our listeners, people coming from all different footballing backgrounds, they may not be aware of of the work that you do and the profile that you have. Um, we obviously know you from Twitter, um, so I was chatting to you uh, through that platform. But I guess it's just getting a bit of a, a background um, as to to yourself and, and how you became Maram um, Per 90, I suppose. Yeah, um, so my name is Maram Baharna. Um, I come from a very tiny island called Bahrain. And I'm 20 years old and I just recently graduated um, in a bachelor's of economics and now I'm doing data science. And throughout that journey, I just dipped in into the football data community and been making visualizations in Twitter and blogs and whatnot. And uh, it's been really exciting ever since. You've achieved more by the time you're 20, uh, Maram, than I have in a very long time, which is, uh, <laughs> which I thought would be the way. But um, so, so how do you, I mean, so you, you, you kind of, I remember we kind of came, became aware of you, uh, you know, through Twitter, as Mark said. Um, it was literally only like a year ago, though, right? That like your, your profile sort of like blew up. Um, and all of a sudden, I remember seeing you like on our timeline, all the speaking to sort of uh, other analytics profiles, and then all of a sudden, it was like, who, who's Maram? Then, and, and well, you know, she does these amazing things. Like, how how did that sort of snowball? Um, so actually, I didn't blow up a year ago. Um, I started a year ago, so I joined. <laughs> so so um, I started uh, right after Manchester United lost six one. So I'm a Manchester United supporter. If people don't know that. So. Um, I was watching um, the BN sports commentary and um, when we lost, everyone kept talking about like the mentality of players and it really frustrated me because they were not like focusing on actual data and actual tactics, the structure and how the team played and what went wrong. So um, that's how I started then my Twitter account exactly right after that game. And um, the first tweet I made was a 20 tweet thread, just analyzing the game, uh, just the screenshots and whatnot. And then, and, I don't know how it happened, but it just grew from there, I guess. And can I ask with the so obviously you you came fully already as a as an avid football fan, but had you been yeah. doing did you almost come fully prepared with with knowing the the football visualizations and stuff? Had you sort of been passively seeing what's been going on within that sort of world? Clearly you know a lot about football, but had you been almost practicing that just yourself before then making it a bit more public or was this just something you just got involved with and it just as, as Ryan said snowballed from there yeah so um 
I had no idea what heat map and football could be. Um, I generally had no idea what visualization was. If you told me, if you came down to me a year ago and told me I'd be doing this, I would have thought you're crazy. Um, <laughs> so um, even like as a, I was typically an average football fan. I didn't even invest that much time into learning about the tactics of a game two, three years ago. Um, so the way that it started was actually just in January this year, I started like I picked up Python and, and wanted to merge like the tactics that I've been doing in Twitter and using data to explain that. So um, I always found that there was this gap, so to speak, in terms of the tactics and, and the data. And I wanted to merge that. I wanted like to show people that you could it's not necessarily mutually exclusive you could use like one that you could use one to support the other yeah and like i wanted to do it because like from october to like january all i was doing was tactical threads and i wanted to go bigger i wanted so i'm an economist <laughs> i love <laughs> i love i love trends i love looking at the big picture and i think data allowed me to do that and looking at seasonal trends and seeing how a team plays rather than how they played in that specific match as we know it's uh really affected by variance and stuff so um i just i just i don't know a lot i get this question a lot is that how did i learn so much in such a quick time span and i genuinely don't have an answer i guess i really just read a lot i was really invested in everything um, I watched as much as I could uh, and I read as much as I could and then it's brought me here so far, I guess. I mean, yeah, wow. I, I mean, like you say, you've almost achieved so much in such a short space of time. I, I, I guess we'll come on to um, more of your analytics and visualization work. We absolutely want to, you know, sort of really delve into that. I guess something I'm interested in at the very start, Maram, is almost like when did you first become a football fan even you know even just before you got into analyzing and tactics and everything because you know I've been a football fan since I was five and I absolutely could not understand how on earth you you know know so much and are able to analyze the game so first of all before we get into that how when did you first start watching football and and how did you know how did that love sort of grow um so this is always a funny story so um, my dad's a Liverpool fan. Um, yes. me, and brother, <laughs> me and my brother are Manchester United fans. Oh, my word. So, um, yeah, yeah. So you can imagine um, the dynamics <laughs> when watching a match. <laughs> so the, the how I became a football fan is actually watching my brother watch a match. I was just looking at his, his reactions. Every time like, um, Manchester United scored a goal, he would scream. Like, and it was crazy. And I just... Like watching that reaction so intensely always made me attracted to the game. I'm like, I want to feel that emotion. I want to be that attached to something that I'm watching through TV miles away. So, um, so yeah, I guess watching him watch and then I just suddenly became invested in it. And I've been watching football <laughs> ever since. I can't even remember the age. I was so young. Um, but yeah, love it. Well, I'm, I for one, I'm sorry um, that you're a Manchester United fan. But I think we should still be friends anyway. That's fine. Let's move sort of swiftly on from there. I, we know that a lot of the, the work that you do, you use Manchester United as a, as a really great example to, to show your visualizations. But um, I'd like to speak to your dad. He's a Liverpool fan. That'd be far. Um, we'd be far more friends, I think. But um, no, I, well, there's a few things I wanted to, to kind of pick up on, which we can sort of slowly get through. I think it was a really great point that you made about that embedding embedding the context and it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive where it's all about the video or all about what happens on the field and all what happens in, in the data the two can go together and that's essentially the reason why we're doing our podcast right so 
you're very much preaching to the choir there and that's something that maybe we'll come on to in more depth later but um but what I really kind of want to ask is like because I guess there's no right or wrong answer I, I certainly don't have an answer to this really but as to whether when you're looking from an analysis perspective whether you kind of see something that happens in game or see some sort of trends that happen almost by eye especially if it's Manchester United because you watch them so closely and then think I wonder if there's anything in the data there or you know flip reverse it is it that you see patterns in the data and think okay let's look into to what happened on the field and see whether I can sort of figure out what's going on here and um, do you have a bit of both or yeah, I think there's no one answer. Um, the way that I started was looking at a match and, and seeing that the screenshots, I felt that like taking screenshots out of video footage was just not enough to try mm -hmm. to convey the point that I was getting at. So, um, so I had a problem and I wanted to solve it using data, but it's not necessarily uh, just that way. So sometimes uh, it's just run of the mill work and then I stumble on something that's quite interesting. So like um, one of my favorite things is that I stumbled on is that I, uh, was doing the Sancho spectacle and uh, for the third part was creation and I already knew like I watched Sancho a lot and I already knew that he was a player that liked to engage in one twos and then when I was doing the calculations and just doing the visualizations I noticed that in one game he completed <laughs> and I caught like 12 one twos and I was so shocked I was so shocked and, and I think that's kind of the fun part is that um, it can give us like these little interesting like details about a player or a team and um when you stumble on them it's, it's quite interesting and um what's fun is that for me is that you can always go deeper um like there's never a full stop when you're searching for something and, and especially with how vast event data is right now so yeah yeah no that makes complete sense and i suppose the speed of which you can search for things if it were to be just on the data side is that then okay you can see all right sancho made 12 on twos but i wonder what you know some other people in this league made and you could just do it you know very very quickly in a matter of seconds or minutes whereas if you were to obviously watch the video of all of that and count them up then obviously it'd take you hours so i think there's there's that element as well where it's just the efficiency um which given the speed of which you've you've learned all this i think efficiency is definitely something that you live by um which is great um <laughs> But yeah, I was going to ask as well about your, so I think if I'm right in saying there's two, I guess, key things that you sort of do in your Twitter posts, especially in your analysis side, is that it's, I guess, Twitter threads, which as you say, you sort of started off with, and your visualizations, which I think we're going to have to link um, in the bio to your visualizations, because unfortunately, this is a podcast and people need to obviously appreciate your visualizations, <laughs> but we can't actually show them. Um, but is it fair to say that those, those are the sort of the two components I know you said about the video analysis and the data side but in terms of your actual output is yeah. it often a, a twitter thread um, and a sort of visualization to go with that so um i mostly like doing twitter threads and visualizations but sometimes when i want to give um a particular issue or a topic or a problem a bit of its due worth i like diving into um articles sometimes so um like when i was doing uh, manchester united's double pivot you're talking about seasons worth of data and analysis and uh, I just like sometimes giving that conversational tone um, in articles that I can't do in Twitter threads because again you can't really don't have the time to grab someone's attention and getting them to read about analysis especially in a media form like Twitter everything moves so quickly yeah 
Absolutely. I mean, you're totally right, Mark. We're going to have to link uh, some of these in the bio because, <laughs> because I obviously, you know, don't know an awful lot about, uh, well, I'm, I'm learning day by day, but I never started by knowing much about sort of uh, football analytics and whatnot. But, but as soon as I saw your visualizations, Maram, I was like, oh my God, these look amazing. I could put one of those on my wall because they're like, for those who don't know, they're like neon, they're like cool colors. They're like so symmetrical, no, not symmetrical. What's the word? You know, and they're just like so sharp and, and aesthetically pleasing. Aesthetically pleasing <laughs> is a really good term. Like, how did you even like sort of come across that style? Do you do art as well? Like, it's what don't you do? <laughs> so, um, actually, I like to say that um, I used to say before about myself that I'm not really imaginative. Um, I'll give over. No, really, I used to say that about myself all the time because I like numbers. I like um, definitive answers. I, when I was in art class, I couldn't do anything. I was I used to be an imitator. Like when I used to look at something, I was very good at copying it. But like when it when it came to my own creativity, it was really difficult for me. And that's why it's always funny to me with like football visualization. Oh my god, visualization! <laughs> it's a hard word to say. It's a hard word. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying it for like six months. It's a bit unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so when it came to visualizations, is that um, it just came really natural to me in trying to give myself like that couple of months and, and breathing room to explore what looked nice to me. Because at that time when I came in, there was a lot of content in terms of football data. A lot of people coming into it, I guess, I wouldn't know. I've been here for a year, but uh, that's yeah. what I heard all the time. So uh, it took me a couple of months to actually recognize like I wanted someone to look at visualization and be like, oh that's hers and well I was just about to say do you think it allows you to stand out do you almost think that's a kind of uh, a factor of, of your fast growing popularity do you think is the kind of the because because I don't you know as I say I'm I'm new to the world as well <laughs> not that I've contributed anything like you have but um <laughs> but but I but yours you specifically in your style stand out way more than most things I see do you know what I mean yeah I never imagined that um quite actually because like uh, I design my stuff in Microsoft PowerPoint. Everyone gets shocked yeah. when I say that to them. Um, so it was just me trying out and seeing what I like. And um, yeah, of course, there's a factor to, yes, you want to attract people's attention when you're talking about stuff that's a bit complex. You want it to look digestible to the eye. So it's mm. digestible to the mind. And um, so, so th that's why I kind of pay close attention. And plus, I wanted to build my own brand, I guess. It's very hard to be, uh, to have a, creative or a unique voice in football because of just how much and how quickly it moves um so yeah i do believe that it's a factor i guess uh people always talk about how aesthetically pleasing that my visualiz visualizations are <laughs> but uh, i think what's important to me as well is that it allows them to digest that information easily not just oh it looks pretty so so yeah that's always been like uh, an important combination for me I think I think that's such an important um, yeah combination, such an important factor um, because, as you say, like it, it's something where, again, in the wider picture of this being a growing world of analytics, it's something where people will look at it. It'll be aesthetically pleasing, and almost if they even if they don't mean to, they will still learn something from your visualizations because you can't help but look at them because they are so visually appealing that you you end up staring at it and being looking in different corners of it because it does have that brand as you say and you can see it a mile off that is something that's come from you and you start to think okay there's different parts of it and you annotate your visualizations really well as well which i think is really important that it's not just here's the data deal with it sort of thing you'll you'll be like okay well, there's this bit here there's that bit there this bit i'm trying to think of an example i think you did one recently on cristiano ronaldo about 
sort of throughout the pitch and you just walk the the viewer or the reader through it really nicely and really neatly and I think that's that's really important I think you've you've got that skill locked down um and I guess on the the topic of obviously people seeing this on Twitter you've you've grown such such a big following as we've established I think it's over 30,000 followers you that you have which is fantastic that you know that you have a voice now and you're able to to share these things and it'll be well received whether that's through likes comments retweets etc do you feel that there's kind of more I don't want to say pressure but more of a um a duty to to kind of put out good stuff and make sure that what you do say is a value rather than just I don't know tweet every every other minute do you, do you know what I mean yeah I definitely do I think um What's important to know is that I was never always Moram per 90. I only rebranded in March. And I think um, that change was really important to me because I always wanted to stay true to the information and the opinions that I felt. A lot of people like to say that, oh, the data is objective. This is what the data says. But I think that's also not fair because you're actually pouring all this time into it. And you're obviously trying to convey some sort of value to your reader. So to say that it's objective completely is not true because it also has a piece of you in it. So um, yeah, so it's, it's really important to me now. And sometimes I feel like um, it may be easy to let the pressure get to you and, and just not like just close your account and not tweet or tweet every minute and, and appease what the readers or, or fans want to hear, especially with the United fans. But I think for me, it was always important to, if I read that, would I agree with it? If, I don't care what, for example, a section of a fan base says, as long as it, I feel that it's true to me, that I've paid the proper attention and time to it. And um, if I look back on myself and two, three years ago, and I mean, did I do that correctly? Was that the best way of doing it? And yeah, I think I think just staying true to myself because that's what got me here in it. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic answer. I'm, yeah, I, I think that is really, really important to say, you know, about your brand and, I do see just so many comments and so much response, as I say, retweets and likes on, on all of the, the posts that, that you put out. And I, I guess I wanted to ask you just how, how good or bad the response has been, because as you said, you are a, a young female from a, from a small island, as you said. And I think it's, it's important that certainly that people champion all of the work that you do. You are objectively very, very good at what you do. But the fact as well that you are, there's not too many females young females at that who, who do football analytics work and I guess I wanted to I guess ask what the what the overall response has been um and how you sort of found that oh, wow that's a really good question so um I, I always like to say that um I take off a lot of minority boxes in terms of like being a fam- female Muslim young um Arab and um I think that might be intimidating to some people but um I always want to say that if some people don't have a voice. I will be that for them in terms of encouraging other females and other Muslim women or men to, to come out and share their opinion because um, it's all really important. So whenever, sometimes, yeah, the support is overwhelming, but sometimes the criticism can be, and it's not always constructive criticism. It can be just insults. People don't like what you have to say just because of who you are, of what you're saying. So um, they resort to uh, very mean comments and I think where at one point in time that might affect me, but um, I think, again, it's always important to reflect on yourself and what you're doing and, and what's important to you. Like there are a lot of times where I could have just 
deactivated my account and moved on, you know? Um, but no, I didn't want to do that because A, I loved what I was doing and I was not like anyone stopped me and B, they didn't deserve that. Why would I close my account for that? You know, um, I just didn't, I, I think what I appreciate the most is the community that I found in Twitter that's people that I didn't expect to get to know and meet and actually get close with. And, and um, I think that's value to be found there because you might think that you're alone, but you're not really. Um, and that's why um, why the criticism can be a bit scary, but there's always room to learn from it. And the support is just great as well. <laughs> like I'm on here now, so <laughs> I think that's worth it, I would say. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I really do hope that the, which it sounds the case, that the positives really do outweigh the negatives because no one should have to go through that um, ever uh, at all. So I think that your resilience is is something to to really be uh really be valued so yeah. totally agree I, I i was just thinking the same thing mark i was just thinking like just as you're talking maram i'm literally like just sort of staring in awe because i'm like a what you're saying is absolutely bang on but also like your attitude towards it is fantastic as well like you know if if the if the much fewer people that listen to our podcast gave gave us any kind of you know jip about what we did i'd be like mark they're saying bad things about us we need to <laughs> we need to like address this but like you're you know it's so refreshing just to hear you like well no i'm not going to stop doing what i'm doing and also why should you because you're just so like mark says legitimately and objectively very much within the know and very talented at what you do so for a start what matter what 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 matter should it have background gender anything regardless and that's the same in most walks of life but yeah, yeah to hear you just sort of brush it off and say absolutely no problem I'll do me is, is a really refreshing answer I'd say. Thank you that's really kind I think it's really hard to not let it get to you but you have to remember it's, it's online it's not really all it's, none of it is real um, what you're doing is real what, what I'm doing is real and and just the idea that I'm here for a purpose and um, to me achieving that purpose is important uh, for me this has been a dream and, and I'm not going to let that uh, not get anyone stand in the way of that, of what I want to do. And um, again, a couple of troll accounts don't mean anything at the end of the day. So uh, it's just important to keep that perspective, I guess. 100%. Again, I, I absolutely agree. And on that note, because I, I think I heard you say something um, about this on Friends of Tracking, which um, for anyone who doesn't know, is a, it's a very, very good YouTube channel, um, which champions and uh, champions people who work in football analytics and helps to educate people on football analytics. Um, and you're on it as a, as a guest going back either, it's a matter of months now, actually. But um, I remember watching that and, and you saying how if you can help, you know, even just one person, then it's, it makes it worthwhile. And I guess I wanted to know, have you had some hopefully some positive DMs for people saying that, you know, that you've inspired them to, to get started in analytics? Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of feel bad because I don't recall them all, but like <laughs> get a lot of nice messages that make my day that makes, like I could get a hundred mean comments and if I get one comment that said, oh my God, I really learned from what you did and I'm going to do that now. And I was like, that makes my day completely because it feels like um, I'm, in, I'm impacting, I have an effect that people are going to remember me by. And um, one that I'm proud of, one that my family can look at and be proud of too as well. Because like, again, I come from a tiny island. You can barely, you know, most people don't even know where I'm from, let alone who I am. So just to see people talk about me sometimes can be a bit scary. 
but just letting walls down and show people what value you have to add to be to a community is quite nice so um i've got, got loads of messages people telling me that so um one thing that i was a bit afraid of is that i went through a lot of personal changes with my account so didn't have my full name on it at first and then um after a couple of months i got the courage to do that and then um when i rebranded it was just logo and then I had the courage to put my face on there because like I wanted people to know who I am and who was behind the work and hopefully that would inspire others too. I hope it has. So yeah. What a fantastic has. answer. Amazing. So Maram, obviously our our podcast is very much focused on the fan side as much as the analytics. When we started this whole shebang. It was uh, it was with a view to making the the world of football analytics uh, more accessible and interesting to I guess you more classic football fans like myself. However, it is still very important to maintain the fact that loving the game of football and being a fan is very very important and first and foremost. So I guess my question to you is: Are you still able to watch a game of football and just cheer like your brother? Do you know what I mean? In the same way that you did before you did such amazing work. Do you still? I always ask Mark this question because I'm fascinated. What is what his response is? How does it weigh up? Is it fifty fifty? Is it like are you on on the clock working? How, how does that work? I think it depends, but. Most times I kind of find myself um, more excited when celebrating a goal because I think I definitely understand the intricacies behind it much more now than I used to. Before I was like, oh, the player cut inside and he scored a goal. And now that I realise it, I'm like, oh, um, that run opened that space for him and now he could shoot. And it's just, when I understand the game more, I actually feel like I'm more connected as a fan. Um, so and where did that understanding come from? Did it did it come from just reading loads, or, or is is it because you've watched so much football, you just started to notice patterns? So um, when I got into it, actually, I didn't even know what a half space was. <laughs> or zone fourteen. I remember listening to your podcast about it. So I didn't know it, a lot of the terms or the actual understanding of tactical like um, structure and stuff. So what I used to do was um, I'd watch a game at least like five times for me understand everything that would happen obviously i don't watch it as much as more but like um for example if i wanted to see a specific player i just focus on time match and that's just okay on what he's doing wow. that really helped me because i felt like i could form my own understanding of what i was looking at instead of like because when you're watching videos or reading articles as a reader it's just human instinct to immediately agree with the person that's whatever they're saying because like it's just instinct i don't know if similarly with other people but I always find that so I feel like it's very hard to form your own opinion then that's why I like doing it myself I, I used to watch matches sometimes I just listen to the commentary while I'm walking or something I just I just like the idea of, of ha- having that as um, a medium for me like sort of my own classes and stuff my own workshop in football so yeah love that time yeah that's really well, interesting and I, I guess there is no right or wrong way to to consume your football yeah. i suppose i think that I, i've tried to start making some notes myself now just like bullet points of just anything that i pick up on kind of in game but i think it's important as you say to kind of re-watch the game because you, you watch it because it's happening obviously in front of your eyes the first time so you don't know what's going to happen next but if you obviously a lot of the the analysts within clubs of course they do that to watch it being like okay i obviously i know the outcome here so i just want to actually see what the intricacies are if i do focus on one player or a, like a fully zoomed out don't look at the ball sort of look at the team shape sort of level um it's it i think people need to almost be 
kind of kind to themselves and realize that they're not going to get a full analysis and a full understanding of kind of what happened in the game, whether there was a, a tactical decision made made there. It, they're not going to get that first time. It takes takes time. And clearly you've you've honed your craft by by watching a lot of football, right? Yeah. Um, so I think just as humans, we tend to be emotional, especially when you're watching. I think that was very difficult for me because I was watching a team that I loved. It was really hard when we lost or drew. And then when I found that I was watching other teams, I found it was much simpler to focus on what the team was actually doing. Um, so um, you mentioned writing notes. So um, I tried that. I did, it did work with me because um, I'm an auditory learner. I really learned from like audio and, and I did, someone speaking, tell me what, what's happening in the game. And um, fun fact is um, I actually uh, listened to Arabic commentary and um, it was Arabic commentary, if you're not familiar with it, it's really emotional, it's jokes and digs, and you really enjoy it while you're watching the game, but like, if you're trying to like, actually understand what's happening, it's not the best of commentary around, so if I actually switch to English, it's calm, they take breaks, and they actually tell you what's happening in the game, <laughs> while in Arabic they do, but it's really fast-paced, and, yeah. and emotionally exciting, and it's not where, you, that was just some of the, the quirks that I picked up, and it's kind of fun to realize those things afterwards. <laughs> Amazing. I Yeah, that's very much answered my question. I realize when I'm speaking to you both, I'm, I'm speaking to two people who have much better understanding of the tactics and uh, and stuff about football, but I'm very enthusiastic. So I'm, I'm, the listeners can't see me, but I'm nodding along to, I don't write notes, basically. No, well, <laughs> I was trying to think what would my, my approach be if I was to say my approach to watching a game and then I'm like, oh, a goal. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm very much trying to, own my craft and trying to have a greater understanding by reading and watching football exactly the same as you madame and i guess we we are two opposing football fans but as i say we can be friends um but ryan <laughs> it's it's an interesting one though with you right because you are sort of you said that you're a bit of a manchester united fan but you're not you're not a, an avid fan of a specific team so almost do you kind of watch every game without too much emotion I think so. Yeah. But, but I think it's, I get that question a lot. Um, you know, can you be a real football fan if you don't, if you don't live and die by one team as, as you both do. Um, and, and I think it, it enhances my enjoyment more, you know, Marama, I, I, I had the opposite to you. My family aren't particularly into football. So oh. when I was younger, I, 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 I was, I played football and I love it. Um, so I just picked a random team. It happened to be Manchester United, but yeah, I think because it wasn't passed down to me or it wasn't influenced by anyone, it, it, it you know, it's not a passion, but I find that I just enjoy, I could watch any football game and I'll be just as interested yeah. as, as, as I would be watching you guys watching Liverpool, Manchester United. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a similar development for me as well. When I enter the antics community, I'm feeling more comfortable watching other games. Yeah. I can, I can turn on any other game. I don't care if it's in the top five leagues or is it not. I don't care if it's a, it's a football match just outside my house. I will watch it yeah. with the same dedication and effort. Uh, it's kind of fun, isn't it? Absolutely. And also, it, it actually, one more thing on that. I, it, It's actually as interesting to me listening to people like yourselves talk because I find it fascinating to listen to your processes and, and almost I want to find out more about that. If you, if you imagine you're, you're looking to hone your craft in terms of learning how to do it i'm really interested in asking people how they do it so yeah. good job we've got a podcast about it really mark isn't it because it's kind of allowing us to all, all do what we like doing 
Yeah, but I come back to it with, with Twitter. I know that, Maram, you said uh, on the Friends of Tracking video that you, you reach out to people and you have a really good kind of network, again, through Twitter or whatever kind of medium you, you want to. And I think it is good to share your process, but get to know what the process is for, for other people as well. Like if there's something which I'm currently not doing that I could be doing better, I'm well up for, for learning and for, for knowing more. And I, from what I've seen, I guess you're the same, right? So for me, I always like to say that... Um even though I graduated, I'm always a student, which is funny because I found myself in a master's program again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like working, I think my perspective really grew working with professional clubs and professional players because then you get to really understand the inside network of what the what a team or, or player is actually trying to gain value from. And your process kind of adapts. Um, I've, I've had, for example, players that look into like what I'm showing them, visualization, but like, that's not what I did but I'm like yeah. it is what you did and you have to like find creative ways to approach people and give them information when for example when they might not be looking for it or maybe actively avoiding it so um, my process I think changes just depending on what player I'm doing or um, wh what type of data that I'm using or what, what the information that I'm trying to convey is so, um, for example, for the Sancho spectacle, I split it into six parts. I'm still not done. I took a huge break with it. And the reason behind that is that I wanted to approach it with the perspective of I want to do this right now rather than it is a chore, because that's how I want the reader to feel as well. So I think um, what, what you give is what you get, I, th I think, with, with visualizations. Um, you have to be willing to put the time and the effort and stuff. So uh, I like to use a lot of stuff. I like to use Python coding, obviously, for the data. I like sometimes use Excel, PowerPoint. Uh, I use everything. And uh, I'm a student. I like using free stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's how I started with free stuff. Um, so what I want to emphasize is that it's accessible to everyone. I still use free stuff right now. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really cool is that you can go how how simple and how complex you want it to be you can go about talking about how a player likes to dribble to oh how the team structure allows them to dribble it can be it's really flexible and that, that's what's fun about football as a creative industry absolutely it's fascinating listening to you talk it generally is i've, I've just i've sort of hooked i keep like i've got my next question ready to ask and then i'm like what was i going to say again um but but it has triggered it you did say uh, you mentioned obviously about jen sancho so we can't have you on the podcast before we let you go without asking about Manchester United and the uh, the current situation and your opinions on, you know, just, just the team in general, I guess, at the moment, which I guess could be another hour podcast if we really if we really <laughs> delved into it. But I, I am interested to know firsthand, because obviously I, I do follow your work, you know, how do you feel about the current Manchester United crop for, uh, for those who don't know your opinions on them? I think this is the, one of the most stressful questions I've ever got. <laughs> <laughs> emotionally pick, yeah you have to pick your words very carefully um i think i like most of these players i think that these players can achieve a lot given that they're um given the right structure to operate in and i think that's not where this current manchester United side is yet i think um there needs to be a bit more discipline and and more instructions given in terms of how the team plays out how the selection of the team and, and how for example they go forward in terms of attacking and, and um, I think there needs to be a bit more 
intricacies involved in that, um, especially when it comes to squad rotation. I think um, with a manager like Solskjaer, he tends to uh, like lean on the players that he trusts and sometimes that leads to overplaying them and injuries. And then players like don't get the minutes that they deserve. And I think if you want to move to a team that competes at the highest level, I think we need to understand, better understand the idea of squad selection and, and squad rotation. Um, so I think right now they're a very good uh, bunch of players, but that's that's all they are. I don't think we're a team yet. Mm. I, I think that's quite important going into the next step of, oh, we can win something now. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see where it goes, I guess. I think I think that's a really good point. I think that a lot has been kind of said on that and that there doesn't seem to be too much or too many patterns of play. There doesn't seem to be too much of a cohesive system, kind of as you say. And I, I, I don't know what you think. I, I don't know whether Solskjaer is the man to, to bring that, whether there's more in terms of his coaching staff that could kind of add to that dynamic, whether it is something where will they ever find that system with the current kind of coaching staff or, or is it that it's just a matter of time and there's just this new signings, obviously, that need to bed in. Obviously, Ronaldo's hit the ground running, but um, is it a matter of time from the player side or the coaching side? Either way, I guess we don't know the answer and time will tell. Yeah. Um, but it, you're right, it doesn't feel like there's a team cohesion. It's more of a group of individuals. Yeah. Um, I think uh, somewhat for a lot of the players, it's quite exciting to see where they're going to go and what they're going to achieve. But again, I think they should be given the platform to do that. Um, I think with a player like Ronaldo, obviously, a great player, but a player that takes up, again, a lot of minutes and, and a lot of possession, and that's quite normal. And I think um, that's presented in itself a new challenge of how to how does this team want to play? I think um, the question just got a lot bigger when you're inserting player of that calibre into the team. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I think I generally, I've never been so um, out of the loop in terms of where Manchester United is right now or where they're going to go. But yeah. I think I'd like to say that I'm excited to find out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I don't know whether Manchester United know themselves. I think obviously the Ronaldo signing wasn't something that seemed kind of very planned. I think it's an important point you make about him being the one to yeah to consume a lot of the possession. He wants to be the main man. He wants to receive the ball quite a lot. And that was kind of the same at Juventus, wasn't it? Where the team dynamics suffered at Juventus as well. And they're kind of just coming out of that now where they, do, they didn't have as much of a, a team system um, because of him. And they didn't do too, too well last season, despite him, I think he finished as, as top goal scorer in Serie A. But um, yeah, I, I, Ryan's right. We could talk about this for hours and hours. Maybe this is something we should do outside of the podcast or have you on again, which we'd love to do. I was going to um, say part two. I'd love to do one, yeah. Absolutely, part two. Um, I guess the final question from me is what does the future hold for you? You've got obviously got so much talent and so many opportunities now, at obviously such a young age. And I guess, yeah, what what does does the future hold for you in football or otherwise? Yeah, I always like to say there's no one answer. I love research, I love analytics, and I love visualizations. And of course, I want to work in football. That's a dream. I want to work for clubs and um, scouting consultancies. I want to do it all. And I think that's, I think, what's unique about me is that um, as an economics graduate and soon to be data science graduate, is that I, am, I have the technical analytical skills to fit in anywhere. And 
And I think that's important for anyone else out there is that not to limit yourself to one answer, what you could be. Um, if I did that, I would be working in a corporation <laughs> um, and not imagining myself working in football, actually. So um, I love research, love analytics, and I want to be focusing on the development of players. I want to be focusing on the development of coaching and team structure. And throughout all of that is integrating the use of data. And if I had one sentence of what I actually want to do is improving the data structure in football. And um, whether that be to communicating with that to uh, players or coaches or just, you know, everyone on Twitter, whatever it is, I'm down for it. So, yeah. The fight continues, doesn't it? We continue to sh spread the, the football analytics word. The, uh, yeah. I, well, do you know, Mara, I, I mean, you know, we've spoken to you for, for all of 45 minutes and, and I genuinely believe you'll do it. Like as in, you know, what you've achieved already in such a small amount of time relatively in the last year i i i all the all that you've just said there you could probably do in the next couple of years couldn't you and then just try something else you know yeah. completed it sort of thing why not <laughs> why not why not just give it a go i mean honestly i i think i speak on behalf of me and mark to say that was like one of my favorite interviews we've we've done on the podcast that was yeah fantastic thank you so much for joining us basically yeah absolutely and, and to echo that exactly what ryan said and also just to wish you every success because we are confident that you will do it but of course we wish you every success in you know in the world um and and for those who the very few people who haven't been familiar with your work after we've spoken about it where can they find you um either on twitter or uh would it be linkedin or your blog which you mentioned as well um, where can people find you uh, so I'm basically everywhere. So, <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter, Marampur19. That's in word format, not number format. A lot of people get confused about that one. And then um, I have my medium, uh, also Marampur90. Just search Marampur90. You can find me anywhere. I'm very easily available, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, medium, Twitter, that's basically pretty much where it's at. Yeah, for now. Awesome. Awesome. And we will put, actually, that's a good point, actually, because we can put a link in the bio as well um, for anyone who wants to just simply click on it. So, um, again, thank you so much for your time. It's been such an interesting chat. Um, again, we wish you all the success in the world. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the Football Fanalytics podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Likewise. There you have it. A, a really great chat with uh, Maram. Uh, Ryan, we always like to reflect upon the, the chat we've just had. Um, how did you How did you enjoy it? I thought she was fantastic. Genuinely, I it's one of those that I obviously was aware of her work through Twitter, as we mentioned before, and and just just being aware of who she is. But I kind of had you know no expectation of what chatting to her for forty five minutes would be like, and um, and I think we really covered some a we covered some ground, but also b I just I just really enjoyed listening to her talk about her sort of process and her method. I mean it you really do meet people sometimes who make you feel really not very talented which which I love because I just everything she sort of has achieved in such a phenomenally small amount of time and 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 her sort of ambitions and the way she's going to go about it and her attitude I just thought was absolutely phenomenal and I'm sort of really excited to see what the next what the next year is going to hold if not you know mm. the next 20 odd yeah and no, I, I couldn't agree more I think that it's one of those as well where you see you see people's profile on Twitter, you see all of the the talent that they they show, and you think that there must be some sort of secret to to what they do. And I think that was the, the great thing that I took out from it was that she's just very very honest, hardworking, and got a fantastic attitude. 
and that's how you get to where you are do you know mm. what i mean it's there is no kind of silver bullet it's just good hard work being curious trying different things and um, and being open to to learning she said that she's yeah what did she say that she's no longer a student but she is always going to be a student and never stop yeah. learning i think that's just a a real lesson to us all so uh, absolutely takes so much from that i thought it was brilliant i fully think she's going to manage manchester united one day you, you know <laughs> I, I think it's there when when ollie finally I, packs when he packs up the wheel uh, you know eventually i think moran will be there to uh, to to take over and uh, yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it mark another another good episode of the football analytics podcast yeah, absolutely agree. And thank you to Maran for, for coming on the podcast. Um, you, you do know where to find her. Uh, she mentioned it before. We can put the, the link in the bio um, for this podcast. And, um, and of course, you can get in contact with us as well, which is always fun. We've uh, mentioned it enough times, but you can, of course, contact us on Twitter as well at FanalyticsPod on Twitter and, of course, Instagram. Or if you'd like to drop us an email, people still do that nowadays, I've heard, that you can email us at fanalytics.pod at gmail.com um, but yeah another thrilling episode Ryan maybe even another uh, guest next week who knows maybe it'll just be me and you um, but <laughs> yeah thank you for your time Ryan thank you to Madame again thank you to you all for listening and we'll see you next time Sports Social Podcast Network